Hello and welcome back to So Dot 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 Talk to Me. Ellipses. Yay. Uh, yeah, we are, what, six? this is 61, right? 61. Mm-hmm. 61 episodes. Crazy, man. 61 episodes. Mm-hmm. Should we do weird. a, oh, well, I'm just weird, so it's fine. <laughs> um. Should we do like a live episode soon? Maybe. We'll see. We'll need to plan it out. Because when, that was a couple months ago that we did the last one, right? I mean, it was episode 50. So yeah, 11 weeks ago. I don't keep track. (laughs) I don't remember what episode that was. It was was our episode 50 extravaganza. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's only half as cool as our episode 100 extravaganza. But you'll just have to wait and find out. Yeah. Just like us. <laughs> you said that like an old man. Just like us. Just like us. <gasps> Water. <laughs> I am always gonna think of SpongeBob. That's okay. just always. I mean, that's not a. That's not a bad thing, is it? I sure don't think so. Um, I I don't know if any of you guys can tell. My my voice is a little different today. It's sexy. <laughs> Well, thank nice you. Nice and nice and low and. Is it? I just think I sound like frog. <laughs> um. Anyways, no. Yeah, it is lower, and and it's not just that I'm tired. That's not it. It's that I went to a concert the other day. Um. One of my friends from high school has been playing in a local band for the past. Geez, probably like six years. He or was so. only your friend in high school. No, I, I just <laughs> meant I met him back in high school. <laughs> Uh, I mean, certainly we don't talk very much anymore because, I don't know, we're adults and we just drift it apart. Yeah. Um, but anyways, his band had announced that they are, that this was their final show. And so I was like, oh man, I should go out and see him. And so it was a lot of fun. So I like listened to their albums all day long <laughs> so that I could know the songs when they played him. Oh, that's nice and of I you. to sing along, yell along. I don't know. Maybe there's lots of singing in the music, but like the parts that you can really get into. I don't, I don't know, man. You just have a good time when when they're playing rock music. You just got to get into it. Sorry, I didn't mean that's nice of you because I think the music sucks or anything. I meant that's nice of you <laughs> because, well, I just I just realized that that could have come off bad. Like I just meant that, like I'm sure it's encouraging. Like it would be encouraging to me if someone out in the audience like knew all the. Uh, knew the words and was singing along with yeah. me. So like, that's nice of you that like you listened to it so that you could know the words and be encouraging to them. So that's what I meant by that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I mean, yeah. The, like I said, they've been playing for a long time. And so I'd only gone to a handful of their shows. I mean, probably only seen them four or five times over the years. Um, so it was like, I, I should, <laughs> I should go out and see them for their last time. And yeah, like, you know, it's their last show. Just make a make a night of it, man. Show your support. So I had fun. It's funny. I went to not. I actually I went by myself. But um, one of the 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 guy who's in the band, his older brother was the one who texted me a couple days before, and he was like, "Hey, are you going?" And that that kind of pushed me over the edge. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I should." Um, so I was hanging out with him, and actually his younger brother. So there was three brothers there. Um. And I was hanging out with them and and then the band started playing. And then I like 
I like jumped in the crowd and, and during like some of the heavier songs, there was a mosh pit that opened up and, and had a good time. Open up this pit. Yeah, exactly. They opened up the pit. Um, Cause there, yeah, there are a couple parts, a couple blast beats. It's really not that heavy of a band, but they're like, they're a rock band for sure. Anyways, afterwards I went back and I was hanging out with his brother and, uh, and he was just like, man, I, he, he was surprised at how, how, into it i was which is kind of funny because he's his older brother you just but, don't get um, to do that anymore right exactly and it's just like i'm here like you know dude like go yolo crazy. like <laughs> yes exactly yolo <laughs> that's what i'm saying <laughs> you only live once you only get to see the band once one more time final time they're dead they only play once why not jump in saying. the mosh pit yeah. So I yelled along and I lost my, sort of lost my voice. I don't know. My voice isn't as strong anymore. So, um, yeah, I'm still recovering. So I've got that frog voice tonight. So sorry about that. Also, you may be able to hear the rain outside. I don't know yep. if you can or not. It's raining. It's raining. Thundering. Mm-hmm. There you go. Austin, it's hard rain's going to fall. <laughs> Red rain. I love this Anyways, weather, actually. It it's nice. Well, the, yeah. Ever since it's been like overcast, it's gotten nice and cool. Yeah, it's crazy because it got hot again. Now it's cooled I off. I don't like this weather for like extended periods of time, mm-hmm. but like especially at night when I'm, yeah when I'm like inside and oh, I'm yeah, yeah. chilling and it's like chilly. cold and rainy outside. I love it's chilly it. and I'm chilling with Just, a bowl of chili. Well, I didn't have chili, but just like cuddle up with a blanket and some hot chocolate or some hot tea. Man. It's Not awesome. your husband, but you know, blanket and hot tea. I mean, if we were to cuddle, we'd probably be in bed and then I'd just fall asleep. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's what usually happens when we cuddle. Yeah. So how was your day, my love? It was good. Um, it was even more like fast paced than, than a normal Thursday because we had some meetings in the afternoon. Nice, boring um, health insurance meetings. Yay! And then, like a leadership meeting. I mean, I guess it's not boring. It's just. No, it's boring. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. So that took up a good chunk of my morning. Like it's or, good information, but it's still boring. Right. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. The dissemination is just different. Anyways, uh, so that took up a good chunk of my day. And then uh, getting ready for rehearsal tonight. Um, I'm actually working tomorrow, which is not very usual. I don't usually work on Fridays. Boo. Yeah, but we've got a special project. We're, we're renting a, uh, a big lift with a crane arm so that I can work on some stuff. Our, our main auditorium at church um, was not really built to be an auditorium. It was a gym. Yeah, it was originally a gym. So we don't have like a catwalk or anything like that. So in order to get to the ceiling, we do currently have a lift, but it only goes straight up. Mm-hmm. And so there's some limitations with that. I, also, I only think it's like 25 feet and our ceiling's probably like 40 feet, 35, 40 feet. Is so, it really um, that high? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I can't, I can't reach the, the very, the ceiling in the in the main auditorium so anyways um going in tomorrow to get some work done with the huge lift boo 
so I've uh, been doing a lot of prep work for that. So that's been fun. Um, but yeah, that's been my day. I mean, just work. Nothing, nothing too special. How about you? How have you been? Uh, good. It was a pretty chill day. Uh, we were going to go to the park. Got about halfway there and decided to turn back because it was... It was like barely misting when we left. Well, so I had them in the stroller. We were walking to the park. Um, It was like barely misting when we left. But the mist was getting harder and harder. And like I didn't put any jackets on any of us and we didn't have an umbrella. So it was like, yeah, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna work. So mm-hmm. turn around, came back home. And surprisingly, they were okay with that. Um, was it yesterday? It was either yesterday. Uh, yeah, it was last night that I um, turned on uh, the old podcast, the Reformed Kid Cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had let Ollie listen to it before, a, like forever ago. That's when like, I first had him, I first started having him listen to the risers. Mm-hmm. Um but we hadn't listened to it in a long time. Anyways, I don't know why I wanted to turn it on, but I did, and he's been obsessed with it ever since, so we've been listening to it, like, nonstop. Dang. And he loves it, yeah. And we have the we, we have the little catechism that they go through on that podcast, so. Nice. Just opening it up and following along and talking about it. He loves it. Sweet. It doesn't yeah. talk about baptizing babies, does it? It does. Oh no! But well, funny enough, I'm pretty sure when when Les recorded it with his kids, they were still credo. They weren't credo oh, gotcha. yet. Um, but yeah, I just I just um crossed out the like two questions <laughs> that cover it. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yep. Cool. How how's your week been at large? At large. Yeah, I know huh. you went to a women's retreat this weekend. I did, I did, yeah. How'd that go? Uh, Friday and Saturday, I was out at a women's retreat. It was really good, actually. Um, I, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. I was surprised that I really enjoyed it, not because of, like, our women's ministry, like I love our women's ministry. I love the women in it. Um, But just because like, I'm not, I'm not a super like emotional person, especially when it comes to like theology. And so I, I actually, I tend to steer like the opposite direction of like, no, don't like listen to my emotions and stuff like that. And I've never been to a women's retreat. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I just sort of assumed that women's retreats are like fluffy and just talking about our feelings and stuff kind of a thing. But that's not how it was. Sweet. It was enjoyable. And all of the, um, sessions the teaching session the teaching sessions but uh all the teachers were just like really awesome and really focused on god and 
how we are in in relation to him like basically how minuscule we are in comparison <laughs> and um yeah it was just very very focused on god nice and not on self cool what what was the uh, like what was it about what was the theme of the the theme retreat? was kingdom come so it was focused okay. on the lord's prayer and specifically ah. uh the first part um you know hallowed be thy name your kingdom come thy will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven mm-hmm. um king james oh. <laughs> that's just how i've memorized it <laughs> um so that was the main focus. So there was, uh, there was like, uh, your kingdom come, uh, in us, like how we relate to the kingdom, and like kingdom come, uh, in our circles, like how we, uh, basically how we uh show the kingdom to the people around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think of the other, what the other sessions were called. I don't remember at the moment, but it was all really good. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It was all about serving God, serving others and not about yourself, which I find is actually very rare in like popular popular quote unquote like christian women's books it it's rare that that you hear about loving god and loving others it it's rare that that's the main focus oh, okay gotcha yeah so it was very refreshing well cool i'm glad i it enjoyed is- it i didn't sleep but i enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> you didn't sleep why not um well it it's a camp and so the bunks the mattresses are like plastic basically so Mm -hmm. it's just very uncomfortable gotcha (laughs) oh well that's a shame (laughs) i slept alone you did (laughs) so did i (laughs) no you just said you didn't sleep i'm saying i did but i was alone no i had actually i think i fell asleep on the couch downstairs for a little while and then eventually went upstairs that's neither here nor there but it was fun it's fun taking care of the kids while you were gone they were actually surprisingly in a really good mood pretty much the whole weekend i mean it was a day it was like a day and a half so it wasn't very long at all but but i kind of expected them to throw fits and they didn't they were pretty mild-mannered we went to the park but it was it was a hot day when we went it wasn't uh it wasn't a misty day getting ready to rain or anything like that so we had a good time yeah you sent me pictures and got to call and say good night to them both nights they were super cute <laughs> all right is there anything you want to talk about um sort of uh but i well you know what it doesn't matter this is my podcast i can talk about whatever i want right <laughs> um i'm not going to make any apologies um, so obviously, I'm sure, I'm sure anyone who's, who, anyone, anyone, if you've gotten on the internet, if you've opened an app in the past week, you've, you've gotten a reminder that the midterm elections were this week. 
vote, right? vote, yeah, vote. Post a picture you of yourself voting mm-hmm. or it didn't happen. There was there's a brewery here in town that if you uh if you took a picture um of yourself outside of your polling place, they'd give you a free pint of beer. And I oh, was like, snap. "Dang, why didn't you tell me about that when I early voted?" Because I totally <laughs> would have taken. And then I was thinking, I could just go to a polling place and take a picture outside of the polling place. And then I'm just like, I'm not going to do all that for a pint of beer. <laughs> like, come on. I like I like free stuff, um, but that's a little ridiculous. I just thought it was funny because I voted early, like the last day of early voting um, on Friday instead of Tuesday. So <laughs> um, anyways, I, I'm not, I, I don't necessarily want to discuss all the um, political intrigue of the, of the election itself. Um, the only thing that I wanted to say was I, I was just, I was just affirmed in my, um, in my political persuasion. I think we have not, we don't, nece- we don't talk about politics very often. We don't really go in depth into our political positions, except where we see it overlapping with Christianity, in which case, um, I, I don't necessarily see it as necessarily political as much as I do like moral, and mm-hmm. ethical, um, you know, because like last week we talked about abortion. Right. I don't I don't see that as a primarily political um, issue, so I don't mind talking about that. But anyways, I'm just trying to let you guys know that I generally don't uh, mean to wade into politics too much. And that's not what I'm trying to do here. But um, what we have said on the podcast um, so far is that we don't really fit into we, we don't necessarily agree with either of the two major parties right. in America right now. We, we definitely lean more libertarian. Um, it just just in general, we're, we're for smaller government. But, um, you know, so, so no matter what side of the aisle that you're on, whether you thought that the selection was, a, you know, the results were good or the results were terrible or, or whatever, um, I'm not, I'm not here to make a decision about that. But there was something that just kind of summed it up for me about why, um, why I don't like the two, where the two major parties in America are going and just reaffirmed how much um, I am for small government rather than big government. Oh, is I, this the tweet that you mentioned yes, to me? Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, so our president... You know, he tweets. I don't know if you know this, but he gets on Twitter um, pretty often. And no, actually, um, so it started off in, in th- this actually wasn't like an absolutely ridiculous thing in terms of some of the things, some of the outlandish things that he says. It's only outlandish when you kind of think about it. Um, but he was actually being slightly more classy than he usually is. Um, <laughs> so so with the midterm elections, um, the the Democrats... Um, now have control of the House of Representatives, um, and so he was he was tweeting out his support for um, Pelosi. Yes, Nancy Pelosi. There you go. Thank you um, to be the Speaker of the House. He, he wants her. He in the way that he tweeted it, he said something like, "She deserves it." You know, in all fairness, she deserves it. This seat, or the you know this place to be the Speaker of the House. So, um, so he just tweeted out his support for her. However, then he later tweeted um, something to the effect because it's it's been like there's been talk in the in the Democratic. I, I don't know who I don't know if it's Pelosi herself or if it's just kind of the party at large has been talking about how um, if they were to regain control of the House that they would start 
uh, multiple investigations into Trump. You know, like, what about his tax returns? Let's release his tax information. You know, what about Russian collusion? What about all these other things? You know, these things that, that Trump has been a part of, like, we need to investigate these things. And and to a certain extent, I mean, that's the whole point of the, you know, the three, um, the, the hierarchy of American government, the different branches of American government mm-hmm. is so that each each piece has checks and balances. So from a specific, from, you know, from from one standpoint, it's like, that's sort of why it's there. But at the same time, uh, the, the way that the way that Trump tweeted is that understanding that he said that if if the House is to start gumming up the political system and wasting taxpayer dollars on these investigations into him and his personal life and and his his dealings, um, then he was like, well, two can play at that game. And I'm going to start investigations, uh, and I don't even remember wh- what exactly he was talking about, like what he was referring to, but he was like, I can investigate all of you guys as well. Basically saying, if you if you try and waste taxpayer money on investigating me, well, I can do the same thing right back at you, so that way you can't get anything done either. And this just, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, if you read the tweets again, I think I think he was a bit more um, clear than I've been. I think he was a bit more um, uh, gracious. I guess I guess I don't I don't know that that's the right word, but um, I, I'm I'm kind of muddying the waters a little bit, making him sound like a little bit more of a baby. But this is my <laughs> understanding of what he was saying, and and the reason that the reason is simply because um, this just solidifies my my views on politics is that um i i am just for lack of a better term horrified <laughs> that our president is acknowledging that what could possibly be done to him i.e. these wasting taxpayer money on uh fruitless investigations and then threatens to do the exact same thing right back to the democrats which I I get what he was trying to do to you know to to th- throw a threat out to Democrats, but it's not it doesn't only affect Democrats because he literally had just mentioned how it's wasting taxpayer money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like you can waste taxpayer money. Well, I'll waste even more taxpayer money right back at you so that you can't do anything. And then it's just this pointless throwing around a money and and it, I just have to step back and say like this is not what our government was created to do um and and the only reason they can do this is because they're taxing us so much and it just on the one hand it's sad and it's funny and on the other hand it's sad and depressing because it's like this is just like no pare down the government slash government funding um let us have our freedoms and man things would be so much better yeah, what did you say? Like the only the only good you could see coming from that would be that they would be the both parties would be so focused on these like stupid investigations that nothing else would get done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the upside to I think again our our well not not necessarily our system our system of checks and balances, um, but when you know. Th- Republicans lost the House, right? So they no longer have both the House and the Senate. 
Um, so the one good thing I, I see in like differentiating now the Democrats have the, uh, have the house is that they're just going to be fighting and bickering. Both sides are going to be fighting and bickering and no one's going to be able to get anything done. Um, which is probably for the best because <laughs> they like both said, suck. Yeah, exactly. I don't align with either party. I'm definitely more conservative simply because of the issues that we've talked about that I find to be moral issues, mm -hmm. i.e. abortion primarily, um, but other issues as well, just the way that you see economics in general, I think makes more sense from a conservative standpoint. Um, Go but, capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Socialism is theft. Social. Mm, I don't want to make this all about politics, so I'm going to stop right there. But, but yeah, just come on now. Why is why is socialism? A, ah, it doesn't make sense. Anyways. It's not logical. Well, it's only logical if you don't believe that humans are inherently flawed. Right. If we lived in a utopia, it would work. Yes. But we don't. Totally. We it's the same thing stuff. with open borders. If we lived in a utopia, if there was no sin in the world whatsoever, it'd be fine. Yeah. But that's not the way the world is. No. It's just both ideas are completely unrealistic mm -hmm. and naive and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know that's if That's how I really feel about it. <laughs> I, th I think I've said this on the podcast before. If not, this is, well, just forgive me if I'm repeating myself. But back in high school, I read, um, oh gosh, what is it? I read Karl Marx. Uh, what did what did he write? I can't remember the book. <laughs> I was about to say Mein Kampf, but I'm pretty sure that was Hitler. <laughs> Didn't read that one. Um, is there much difference? I'm just kidding. There is actually. <laughs> so what I was going to say is is what I read by Karl Marx and, and his ideas of the bourgeoisie and the proletariat and and the um, uh, what is it like? I'm trying to think of the the right word, but basically that using exploiting your work where your work is supposed to be something that you're passionate about. I, I, all that to say is that I think that Marx had some really good ideas. Like I don't disagree with him in an idealistic sense. Like the things that he had to say made sense on paper. However, um, in practice, they do not work at all. Like they, every time it's been tried, it has not worked. Um, even Marx himself was did not his his life did not reflect um his his ideals that he put down on paper um it was just simply not economically viable for him to sit around and write books um anyways it so i i don't mean to go down that entire rabbit hole just that there there are lots of ideas lots of political ideas that sound good on paper that fail every time they're tried and that that said just to be fair, um, I, I don't think there's any, there, there is a such thing as a perfect government. No. I think every government has its flaws. Because we live in a fallen world. Yeah. There's no such thing as perfect yeah. period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're uh, a perfect period. Um, <laughs> they're, you know, just like one little dot at the end of a sentence. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, yeah. There's always going to be cracks in the system. And, and I mean, that's, it's frustrating because um, like you said you're capitalist like i i hold to capitalist ideas as well ideals excuse me um i think that that is the most it gives the most freedom and and um you can you can it allows anyone to kind of use their own uh uh 
kind of be independent and and pull themselves mm-hmm. up economically. Um, well, it's that, freedom. Right, right, right. But that said, I do think there are certainly ways that people can... Abuse it, for right, sure. Yeah, right, yeah, definitely, yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. This is things like monopolies. Now, in a, in a purely capitalist system, obviously, you can try and undercut a monopoly. Um, but people can take advantage of their workers... Um, there, there are downsides to capitalism. There, mm-hmm. there are things that fall through the cracks. So, so even the things that I hold to, um, even especially economically, um, I, I don't think they're perfect, but they're the best that we can kind of come up with this side of heaven. Basically, people, politics, economics, our government, it's all severely flawed and don't put your hope in it. Yeah, that's another that's another really good point actually. Um waking up on not on Tuesday, on Wednesday after after the the elections had gone through, I saw a lot of people lamenting the election results. Um a lot of people that actually frankly surprised me. People that I thought were um well, I'm just going to say it. People that I thought were more mature. Um, saying things that I was very taken aback by. Um, and I'm not using any names because I'm not trying to call out anyone at all. There, the, honestly, there were multiple people mm-hmm. that, that I've grown up with that I was just like, oh, wow, okay. Well, and it's, oh, it's okay to be disappointed. Yes. It's okay to be sad. Mm-hmm. But to say that you're like, I don't know, like devastated or mm-hmm. that you you're you've lost hope in some system or something like yeah. that like well why was your hope in it in the first place like yeah why would your hope be in our government <laughs> right right exactly and and i don't mean to to sound like trite or cliche and say like oh well jesus is on the throne so it it doesn't nothing ma- you know none of none of this stuff matters i'm not saying that it doesn't matter but in a real and deep sense god is in control right god is sovereign that doesn't mean that we don't go through hardships it doesn't mean that maybe we're possibly under his judgment right now and that's why our government system is so screwed up. Um, but it does mean that our hope is not in a a governmental position to fix our problems. Or um, a political figure. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yes, they can do good in the world. I'm not downplaying that. But, but we I, shouldn't put them on a pedestal. Like, and And we shouldn't expect them to be the ones to fix our problems. And when they're not there, that our problems cannot be fixed. It just really annoys me when people treat like political figures as saviors. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's weird. It's weird to see that so blatantly. Like, I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the, the hyper like politically charged era that we're in right now, where, where you have the hyper left and the hyper right. and, And they're just like, charging towards the ends as far as they can um, and demonizing the other side about it. And maybe, maybe that's why, I don't know. It just doesn't seem as, I have never seen it as polarized as it is now. Granted, I'm not very old, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I haven't, I haven't seen that many times, but, 
but it just it seems it seems different now especially for a midterm election like yeah it's uh, pretty ridiculous yeah it's it's <laughs> it's kind of weird um the other thing too is that i mean maybe maybe i am being ungracious um simply because and i've said this on the podcast before like almost every candidate every major candidate and well every every candidate in political or excuse me in um, presidential elections i have never voted for the person who's actually won i've always voted for for people who've lost mm-hmm um, in hindsight, obviously. <laughs> um, so I guess I've already gone through my moments of, oh, my vote didn't really change anything. You know what I mean? So, so maybe, maybe I just have a different perspective and I'm not being gracious enough with people who are just now experiencing this, like who generally vote for winners, if that makes sense. <laughs> I just... It, I've never really, yeah, I've never really put as as much good as our government can do. I've never put my hope in government, right? You know, I I I have certainly lamented different um different things that have happened in the government. I I specifically remember um after the Obergefell decision was made by the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. um saying that that um that redefining marriage as no longer simply between a man and a woman, but can be between two people of the same sex. Um, I specifically remember because that Sunday I was leading uh, music at our church. And uh, like, I, I, I don't know. No, I don't mean to go off into a tangent, but I take that seriously. I, I don't get to do it very often. And I take that seriously. And so I want to lead the congregation as well as play music. And I remember like just being very uh, heavy hearted going mm-hmm. into that Sunday because like, what, what do I have to say? Uh, and, and what, you know, what does God say about this? And how can I lead people in praising God when we so clearly see our government uh, uh, going against what God has said is mm-hmm. right and true? Um so so I'm not I'm not I don't mean to downplay governmental decisions they certainly affect our lives. Well, first of all, the federal government had no right to even make that well, decision in the yeah. first place. <laughs> it's unconstitutional. Unconstit- yeah. Well, and it, it's funny too because 15 minutes ago I said I would I didn't mean to talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. Uh, famous last words, right? I don't mean also, to talk about politics. Also, as a libertarian, I don't think that the government should have anything to do with marriage in the first place. Ooh, well then. So... How do you feel about public education, <laughs> Samantha? Um... Let's just get on a roll here and piss <laughs> off everyone we possibly can. Uh, get your nose out of the school's government. Oh my goodness. Go away. Yeah. Okay. No well, government-run schools. That's what I stand for. Homeschool your children. To the ground. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. We're just so, having fun, people. Yeah, I don't actually mean to blow up schools. <laughs> don't do it. And then don't say that I told you to do it, please, because I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Stop it. Stop blowing up schools. <laughs> Anyways, okay. yeah, that's that's enough politicking for one day. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, do you have anything you want to talk about? Um, I want to talk about 
the book of Esther because you mentioned it last week. So let's do ah, that. Okay, cool. What do you want to say? What What about Esther? Um, well, you said you want to talk about it, so I want to know what you want to talk about. <laughs> okay. Jeez. It's like a game of volleyball over here. <laughs> Try and pitch it over, and you just smack it right back. Yes. All right. Um, so as I, I've mentioned before, um, the class that I'm taking is focusing a lot on the book of Esther. Um, so that's kind of where my headspace has been over the past few weeks. Yay, headspace. Past four weeks to be exact. And um, so there's just some really cool things that I am learning about the book. Um, a, a lot of like nuance that I have never seen before um that is it, it's just so cool the way that god has has given us scripture and what he says through his scripture god is really cool Isn't that his awesome? scripture is really cool it's so neat <laughs> seriously <laughs> <laughs> you want me to talk but then you make fun of me when i talk <laughs> hi it's pretty neat yeah so I know growing up, the way that Esther was often taught, and, and I mean, you know, granted I was young, I was a kid, so I, I, I don't know that I've gone through Esther so much as I've gotten older, um, except I, I went through a series in Esther uh, back when Mark Driscoll was preaching. I remember listening to his stu- what he had to say about it, and it was pretty good as well, oh, although it kind of went to the other extreme. Why? Driscoll. Why is that awkward? Because he went to another extreme. <laughs> oh, wh- what? I'm confused. Mark Driscoll. What? I he mean, w- went kind of off the deep end. Oh yeah, he did eventually. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying when I was listening to him, and I liked what he had to say about. I know. It. I was just making a joke. Oh okay. Gotcha. Sorry. I'm went sorry. My head. I'll stop talking. <laughs> no, don't stop talking. This is a podcast. <laughs> don't stop talking. Ever, because ever that would be bad. Um. So, anyways, th- what I was trying to say is when I was when I was young, I feel like the way that Esther was often taught was that she is, um, she is this great figure uh, in Jewish history who saves her people. You know, it's because of her courage, it's because of her her boldness, it's because of her humility, and uh, that that God is able to work through her to save the Jewish people. And while that is certainly true, um, I think the danger that we get into when we say that the story is about Esther is that we lose what God is doing and like what this book says about God instead of what it says about the main characters. Um, I, I think you kind of get a really similar analogy in King David where um, a lot of his story is taught in such a way that like, isn't David awesome? Let's all be like David. Mm. Except let's for not be like David, when please. he <laughs> uh, commits adultery and murder yeah. and uh, lies a bunch. Right. And right. <laughs> but the way that he repents, let's all be like David and repent of our sin. You know, it's just the way that that's that's often how. Or let's just do what Jesus tells us to do. Hey, <laughs> maybe maybe that's the point. Is it was never really about David. It was about what God was doing through the Israelite what? people at that time. Um, so anyways, so, so that's kind of the, uh, so when I look at Esther, 
especially like going into this class. And I've got this, you know, this idea in the back of my head that it's kind of about Esther, like looking at it from a different lens really helps to see like what God is doing and what he's, yeah, through the, through these characters, because these characters are actually a lot more complex than VeggieTales episodes. Where What? I know, I know, it's crazy. You mean they're people? They're uh-huh. not just characters? Exactly. Oh, they're not man. all good. They're not all bad either, but they're not all good. Um, and one of the ways that that I think we can see this, the, the complexity of these people, is in the second chapter. Um, and before before I jump into the second chapter, actually, let me let me say that I, I the more that I've kind of studied this, and again, it's only been a few weeks. I'm not a scholar. Um, but the more that I've I've read through Esther, the more that I see that you really have to know the entire story um, before you can start picking apart what's going on in each instance, because you need to know what comes before and what comes after so that you can take what's going on in context, mm-hmm. right? Um, you don't want to just, just pick up a chapter and then say, you know, and then take your uh, analysis of what happens in that chapter without taking a look at, again, what God is doing through the entire story of Esther. Um, because, well, just because you run the risk of, of doing improper interpretation. And and like you'd mentioned last week about the book that you're reading, um, it's much easier when you pull something out of context to make it say whatever you want. Yeah. And um, yeah, so uh, so especially with Esther... With such a um, such a, I was gonna say simple story. That's not the that's not the right way to say it. But with a, it is kind of straightforward in in the overall narrative of what's going on. Um, it's only ten chapters. It helps a lot to know the entire story and then go back and take a look because there's a lot of things that happen throughout the book that are very ironic. Mm. Like they let you in on some information at the beginning of the book. That isn't relevant until the end or you're, you know, you know more than the characters know. And so the way that the characters are acting or, or the people in this, I mean, obviously I, I say characters because I'm looking at it from a, uh, uh, literary standpoint, mm-hmm. obviously I do believe this is the word of God. This actually happened. Right. Um, so, so when I These say these are actual people, yes, yes, actual people, um, so, so anyways, that that's just my plug that, um, I, I think that, that this needs to be read, not necessarily read all the way through, but you do need to know what's going on in the book. I would highly recommend reading it all the way through before you start taking a look at individual parts. Um, so, but I wanted to bring up the second chapter because of the view that it gives of specifically of Esther and Mordecai, right? Because again, I feel like these two characters are, or these two people are, are the two people in the story that often the church, or maybe it's just children's church, I don't know, often says, these are the people that you need to be like, mm-hmm. right? Esther and Mordecai, together they saved the Jewish people. So if you have the faith like Esther and Mordecai had, then you're going to do great things too, right? That's a horrible application. Yes, um, it is. And and again, I say that knowing full well. I, I do admit, I, I do think Esther has a lot of great qualities, qualities that we ought to emulate as well. I think Mordecai- Qualities that- who gave her those qualities? Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> oh, it all comes back to God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Um, so I'm not, I'm, I don't mean to discount the great things that she was used to do or the fact that she was a, like she exuded very many virtuous qualities, right? I, I, I don't mean to downplay that. I'm just, I just want to balance that by saying. That's they not did, the point. Right. That's not the point because we also see that the book is very candid about the things that they did that are not are not up to the the standard of God's law. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Um which is interesting again because God is not ever mentioned in the book of Esther. So, take that one for you. Um so picking up in in chapter 2, chapter 1 of Esther um is it, I'm I'm going to assume from this point out that you know kind of the basic story of Esther. If you don't, um I would encourage you to kind of Stop this podcast and go and read it so that you have an idea of what's going on because you do need context. I'm not going to go into detail about what happens in Esther. So from this point on, I'm going to assume that you know the basic story of Esther. Okay, so the first chapter is where the king uh, basically kicks out his wife. You know, he's he's been drinking a lot. He wants to show her off to all of the other nobles. And she's like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. He gets pissed off. All the other nobles are just like, oh my gosh, if if all the other women in, in the country see what the queen is doing, they're going to hate their husband or like they're going to think it's okay not to do what their husbands say too. So we need to decree, like we need to make sure Vashti's out of the picture or the queen is out of the picture and make sure that uh, we decree that women have to obey their husbands and everything. It's kind of funny um, because of how sexist it is but regardless um so first chapter queen is kicked out okay so enter the second chapter and the king is looking for a new queen um so picking up in in verse two and i'm gonna try and fly through this okay um the king's young men who attended him said let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king Let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem in Susa, the citadel, under custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who's in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given them. Let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This pleased the king, and he did so. Okay, so they're on the hunt for another beautiful young woman to replace the previous queen. So awful. It is. It is awful. Um, because uh, the, we're all adults here, right? Um, I think we understand what a harem is. Like, this is not just a beauty contest. This is like a night with the king. Like, a harem is chicks that the king gets to sleep with. Yeah. That's what a harem is. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It Like you said, it's awful. Okay? These women are just being treated as objects. Yeah. And it's, Mm-hmm. completely well, vain yes yes they're objectified while at the same time getting a chance at being elevated to a, a a pretty supreme position of power within the country or within the empire within the persian empire right so it's not only vain it is uh there's an element of greed to it as well. It's mm-hmm. like if you objectify yourself before the king, you have a shot at being queen over the entire empire. 
So it's it's Calling doubly all gold diggers. Right, exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's incentivizing that um that objectification, which is yeah. So anyway, so this this contest is going on, right? Okay, so then then, then it pans over to someone else. Uh, verse five. Now there's a Jew in Su- there was a Jew in Susa the citadel whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. Mm-hmm. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Okay, I'm just stop there real quick and just say that. So, so we see who Mordecai is. It mm-hmm. has his lineage. He is a Jew. He was carried away into exile. Mm-hmm. So, um, the you know the, the Israelite people were looking forward towards um, who God had promised through the line of David to be their savior, right? To restore them back to their promised land. Mordecai was carried out of that. And so he is in exile under Persian rule. So um, even though God had promised this promised land, he had promised this land, right? (laughs) Um, Mordecai was in exile, okay? We see his character, the first thing that it says about him, first that he's Jew, but then it says that he is raising his cousin mm-hmm. as as basically his own daughter. So again, taking a look at this character and how complex he is, we see the first thing that he, that's told about him is, is good. You know, he genuinely cares for his family. He is a Jew. He sees himself as a Jew, like, he actually recognizes that he's a Jew and, and is attempting to live like a Jew. He values other Jews. Mm-hmm. He values his family ties to Esther. So so he looks like a genuinely good person so far. Okay, so the next thing that it says is, so when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa the citadel in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who is in charge of the women. Okay? So, you get two back-to-back verses. One, Mordecai uh, was raising his cousin as his daughter. Then right after that, and then she was taken into the king's harem. So he allowed her to be taken, you know, now we are complementarians, right? So we do believe that there are different roles for men and women. I'm sorry. I know you don't like that word. Uh, so, sorry. I just we, think it comes with a lot of baggage. Yes, yes, yes. So so what I'll say is that men and women play different roles, right? right. Okay, especially uh, when we look at fathers and daughters. The fathers are supposed to protect the daughters. And even taking it away from, from sex in general, the parents should protect their children, right? right? So Mordecai had the... Um, the authority, like he he was supposed, he ought to have protected Esther. Well, it says from Mordecai this. took her as his own daughter. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. But so he positioned himself as her father, right? But but yeah, he, he allowed this to happen, protecting her. Yeah. Right. So she goes into the king's harem. 
Um, I do also want to say the interesting thing about this is that it is not like at the beginning of the chapter, um, this idea was thrown out there that, you know, they, they should have this contest to, to see who the next queen would be. But the king having a harem is not uncommon, right? Kings at this time had harems. That was that was just a normal. It was basically the same thing as a concubine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically. Sort of. I mean, I, I don't know that there was really any... Um, a concubine might have, have been more... Uh, like a con- like the, the children of a concubine might actually have more ties to their father than a harem would. Oh, okay. Like like the bastard child of, a, of someone in a harem probably would have no ties to the, the royal position at all. They were simply just women that the king could sleep with um so a little different both are terrible concubines and harems but um it seems it, it my understanding is that harem would be worse um so uh, but what i'm trying to say is that the harems were not an uncommon thing for the kings at this time um so we have to take a look at this if we put ourselves into the story again these jewish people are under exile they're in under under Persian rule, the culture at large is saying, "Oh well, this is normal. This is normal. Like like you should only you should be so lucky to have a night with the king." Right. And this being in the Bible is not God saying that it's okay for it to be this way. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. Um, and and I think I think again, like we're talking about context in scripture. Um, this, yeah, this being in the Bible, we have to understand the context in which this is happening is the Jews again are in exile, but God has given, um, his standard of sexuality Mm -hmm. to the Israelites. I mean, he gave it to all people with Adam and Eve, right? (laughs) Right? And the picture of marriage that that is. Um, so God is not silent about sexuality. He is not condoning what is going on here. This is this is simply telling you what happened. This is the context in which the Jews were in. Okay, this is really interesting because I see parallels to nowadays, to our current uh, uh, fluidity. What is, what is often called right, like sexual liberation mm-hmm. nowadays of anything goes kind of sexuality right? That is what the culture is teaching us that, um, you know, you're talking about fluidity, um, LGBTQ plus whatever the heck you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and that infiltrating the church and and where quote unquote churches or church leaders will now condone those types of sexual relationships and sexual acts. Um, that is the, the culture overriding God's sexual standard within the church. I think that's exactly what we're seeing here in Esther is that um, the culture is saying that this, the harem was okay. Mm -hmm. And then because of that, and because of the pressure, the political pressure um, for the women to want to be a part of the harem and want to be a part of this context and and the pressure that it's ex, it's accepted it's expected that your daughters ought to want to join this harem 
Um, it doesn't necessarily say that, that she was taken by force. It says that she was taken. It doesn't necessarily imply force. And I think that it's actually intentionally ambiguous because that's not necessarily the point, whether she went willingly or whether she, she was, um, upset about going it doesn't say right so i i think that's god's way of saying don't speculate either way like don't create a theology either way mm-hmm. um but what we do see or, or what is absent from this is mordecai putting up a fight about it right is esther putting up a fight about it what we see are these two jews these two israelite people who had the law of god completely um abrogating their responsibility to follow these laws, right? Just completely saying that, well, this is part of what the culture is doing, so we will do what the culture is doing. Mm-hmm. This, our sexual standard is no longer what God says. It is what our culture expects of us, um, which, again, I just think is so poignant in the world that we live in nowadays, especially here in America, where um, where the sexual standard has just been flipped on its head in the past 60 years, <laughs> you know? Um, it's it's absolutely crazy. Where, I mean, even just this week, um, I saw a couple people on Facebook posting about a, a leader of, a, of some obviously liberal Lutheran church saying that uh, we shouldn't be shaming people who look at pornography. Oh, gosh, I saw that. Yeah, that ethically sourced pornography is okay. Um, Which to have the two words ethical and pornography in the same sentence is ironic in and of itself. It's a complete contradiction. Um, Yeah. So so we see how our current sexual standard is just completely um, uh, wreaking havoc to to some people within the church who don't uphold God's law. Okay, so just a a quick, hopefully quick, a couple more points here. The next verse, verse 9, says that the young woman, Esther, um, pleased him, Haggai, who was in charge of the harem. Um, So Esther pleased Haggai and won his favor, and he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. So again, I'm saying that I'm not saying that um, I'm just going to use inflammatory language here. I'm not saying that Esther was a whore. Um, She, I'm saying that she was a complex character, a complex. She was a person, like Mm -hmm. you said, a person with flaws. Um, Because right after it says that she entered the harem, it talks about how, Grace, gracious she was to the people there and how the people if you were to continue to read the chapter and even throughout all of esther you see that she gains favor with almost everyone that she's around mm-hmm. so she was definitely a likable person um she she seems to be a very virtuous person except in the case of of her sexual standard which mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to read verse for verse any longer, except to say that the rest of chapter two talks about how um, Esther spent her night with the king, which again, we can assume what happened there. It doesn't go into detail mm-hmm. uh, because we don't need it to go into detail. Right. It's pretty obvious what happens if a woman is with the king all night long and then goes back to the harem in the morning. 
kind of obvious. <laughs> um, so, and, and verse 17 says the king loved Esther more than all the women. She won grace and favor in his sight more than all the other virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So, um, so she obviously pleased him. Well, again, we can assume what happened, um, that she did not refuse what was assumed of her to happen there. Um, again, we see just the, the complexity. Yeah. Whether she could refuse or not. Right. Right. And I'm not, yeah, again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily making a, a judgment. I think the Bible is, is not vague in what happens, but I don't, but it's not, it's also not explicit in, it does not describe what happened there. It leaves it up, but it is very, it is, it implies very heavily she had sex. Right. And, and she obviously pleased him. So what does that mean? Um, maybe, maybe that means the conversation that they had. Maybe it means what happened mm-hmm. in the bedroom. We don't necessarily know, but clearly, again, her sexual standard was not God's. Um, so we see not even the two sides of Esther, because I don't think they're two sides. I think this is just who she was, mm-hmm. right? She was a very likable person. She was very gracious. She was she gained favor with everyone that she was around, mm-hmm. but she also did not follow God, God's sexual standard. Mm-hmm. She accepted the cultural standard. Yeah, um, by entering the harem in the first place. Right, right. And then and then um advancing within the harem as well. Um so I, I think one of the if we if we can take away kind of a principle uh, again panning out from this chapter and looking at all that God does through Esther, um one principle I think is not necessarily, oh, we should be like Esther. No. But I think we can say that God uses flawed people. Oh, yeah. You know, that even if you have accepted standards that are not God's. I mean, is there really a choice to use any other kind of person? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. But I just mean we're all extremely flawed. Yes. But I think it's it's also encouraging because what God uses her to do, Mm -hmm. even even not even despite her sin, but even using her through her sin, because it was through sin that she was elevated to the the queen. Right. Basically, if she had fought again, you know, I don't mean to get into hypotheticals. God redeemed that. Exactly. Exactly. And I think there's a parallel kind of in Joseph where what God, what Joseph's brothers meant for evil, God used for good. Right. What Esther meant for evil, yeah. you know, greed and vanity and whatever well, else. Even like with Abraham and Sarah, like how he lied and mm-hmm. that sh- she was his sister, but still like God protect the- protected yeah. them in each place that they went. So like he was sinning against God when in mm-hmm. doing that, but he redeemed it and still was yeah, faithful in protecting them. And, yeah. and, and despite... I, and even even in the midst of it's not even despite because it's not like God is just brushes it under the rug. Right, he actually uses it in his own way, which is so amazing that he can use sin to bring about good. 
That's that's crazy. You mean God is sovereign over <laughs> yeah, sin? Right. What? Right. Which I think also tells us that just because like the outcome of sin can be good does not mean that we ought to sin. Right? That does not give us the right to sin. Paul talks about that. Yeah. Just a little bit. So I I think there there are a couple things that we can that we can just pull out of this when we see kind of what God is doing and how he sets up these people and how he uses them to bring about his purpose, which in this case was the salvation of the Jews, um, which is, I mean, later, obviously, I'm assuming you know the story. Haman wants to commit genocide. Right. Uh, he wants all Wipe of the Jews all wiped out. He doesn't know that the queen's a Jew, but he wants them all wiped out. And God uses Esther because she's the queen to um, change the king's mind, to, to open the eyes of the king to see, you know, what Haman actually was trying to do and and to save the Jews. And actually, at the end of the story, the Jews are allowed and able to fight against their enemies within the Persian Empire and the Persian guard fights alongside them. So actually the Jews are able to destroy their enemies. It's a complete reversal. Mm. Um it, because that's just how God works. I mean it's 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 amazing what God does through this story. Um and it's amazing that he can use someone so complex, someone so flawed, someone in the same um type of situation that we're in nowadays where we are so tempted to um to trade God's law for the cultural standard, right? Um, again, I just I, I think this is encouraging because it means no matter how much we've messed up, no matter how how twisted our decisions have been in the past, God can use us um, to do great things. Um, he can use you um, to to work miracles in other people's lives by bringing them to Christ. So those are just a couple of things in the book of Esther. There's still a lot more, but those are some of the things that were kind of jumping out at me that I'm just like, man, this is so much more deep than I expected, which I mean, come on, it's the Bible. Like, like, of course, God has is saying so much more than I kind of pick up on. <laughs> right. I mean, I should have expected as much, but um, it's, it's real in a book that never mentions God's name. Um, it's pretty amazing to see what he's doing through it. So, do you have any thoughts on Esther? I mean, I think it's just an example of how God is 100% present in all of his word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, whether he's mentioned or not, like, it's his word. Yep. Like, mm -hmm. all scripture is God-breathed. <laughs> So whether the word or name God is ever mentioned, like it's his word. Yeah. He's the one telling it. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be about him. Right. Because it's all for his own glory. Yeah. Yeah. The scripture is the revelation of who God is. Right. Yeah. It all tells us about him. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> it wouldn't be there if that if that's not what it was there for. Yeah, and I, I think understanding that is key to understanding Esther. If you take Esther and pull it out of Scripture and just take it as a literary, you know, a Jewish literary piece, 
it completely changes its meaning. Mm -hmm. I think you have to understand, again, who the Israelites were, what God is is doing, where where the Israelites had come from, so the context before Esther, and then where it, this is leading up to after Esther, um, to really understand what God is doing through it all. Got to read it in context. <laughs> Crazy. Yes. All right. Well, if you guys have any thoughts about Esther, um, you can hit us up on our Facebook page, our So Talk To Me Facebook. Um, you can tweet at us on Twitter. Our handle is at so underscore talk to me. Or you can always email us. Our email address is so talk to me podcast at gmail.com. Before we sign off and finish up episode 61, do you have any anything else for the the wonderful listeners out there? The wonderful listeners. Um... Oh, French. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. Nope. I don't, I don't got no records this time. Yeah. I'm I'm rereading a book by Al Mohler. Um, it's called The Conviction to Lead. And it's really good. It's funny. I, I read it like earlier this year. Um, but rereading it, there's a lot that I missed. And, and even just, I guess, how much I've changed over the past year or how much my, uh, I guess in, in the... The way that I see myself and the way that I see my work as well, like especially with the leadership at church mm-hmm. and, and the way that they're they are leading the staff. Um I'm I'm kind of reading this book with a different perspective as well. So but it's it's really good. It's really good. Um yeah, The Conviction to Lead by Al Muller. Nice. Good stuff. Yep. Well, um I think that is it. My voice is probably gonna give out on me before long here. So Need to head out. So, till next time, till episode 62. Uh, 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 well, go talk to your spouse. Yes. I forgot to say that earlier. Just do lots of talking. Talk. To friends, to spouses, to loved ones, to family, to anyone. Man. Hmm? Sleepiness just like hit me like a rock. Ouch. All right, we're going to go to sleep. Bye. Gross. You're disgusting. Can't believe you would do that while we're recording. Mm -hmm. Wow. Sounds real, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Must be all that Halloween candy you've been eating. Does Halloween candy give me gas? I don't know. <laughs> but you're just chewing in your own ears because I'm not wearing headphones and I, I can't hear it like you can. I know. <laughs>